Chapter forty three of Ms. Marjbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ms. Marjbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter forty three. There are a great many reasons why this should be a critical period in Ms. Marjbanks' life. For one thing, it was the limit she had always proposed to herself for her term of young ladyhood and naturally as she outgrew the age for them she felt disposed to put away childish things to have the control of society in her hands was a great thing but still the mere means without any end was not worth lucilla's while and her thursdays were almost a bore to her in the present stage of development they occurred every week to be sure as usual but the machinery was all perfect and went on by itself and it was not in the nature of things that such a light adjunct of existence should satisfy lucilla as she opened out into the ripeness of her thirtieth year it was this that made mr ashburton so interesting to her and his election a matter into which she entered so warmly for she had come to an age at which she might have gone into parliament herself had there been no disqualification of sex and when it was almost a necessity for her to make some use of her social influence miss marjoribanks had her own ideas in respect to charity and never went upon ladies committees nor took any further share than what was proper and necessary in parish work and when a woman has an active mind and still does not care for parish work it is a little hard for her to find a sphere and lucilla though she said nothing about a sphere was still more or less in that condition of mind which has been so often and so fully described to the british public when the ripe female intelligence not having the natural resource of a nursery and a husband to manage turns inwards and begins to make a protest against the existing order of society and to call the world to account for giving it no due occupation and to consume itself she was not the woman to make protests nor to claim for herself the doubtful honours of a false position but she felt all the same that at her age she had outlived the occupations that were sufficient for her youth to be sure there were still the dinners to attend to a branch of human affairs worthy of the weightiest consideration and she had a house of her own as much as if she had been a half a dozen times married but still there are instincts which go even beyond dinners and lucilla had become conscious that her capabilities were greater than her work she was a power in carlingford and she knew it but still there is little good in the existence of a power unless it can be made use of for some worthy end she was coming up grange lane rather late one evening pondering upon these things thinking within herself compassionately of poor mr cavendish a little in the same way as he had been thinking of her but from the opposite point of view for lucilla could not but see the antithesis of their position and how he was the foolish apprentice who had chosen his own way and was coming to a bad end while she was the steady one about to ride by in her lord mayor's coach and miss marjoribanks was thinking at the same time of the other candidate whose canvass was going on so successfully and that after the election and all the excitement was over she would feel a blank there could be no doubt she would feel a blank and lucilla did not see how the blank was to be filled up as she looked into the future for as has been said parish work was not much in her way and for a woman who feels that she is a power there are so few other outlets she was a little disheartened as she thought it all over 
gleams of possibility it is true crossed her mind such as that as marrying the member for carlingford for instance and thus beginning a new and more important career but she was too experienced a woman not to be aware by this time that possibilities which did not depend upon herself alone had better not be calculated upon and there did occur to her among other things the idea of making a great experiment which could be carried out only by a woman of genius of marrying a poor man and affording to carlingford and england an example which might influence unborn generations such were the thoughts that were passing through her mind when to her great surprise she came up to her father walking up grange lane over the dirty remains of the snow for there was a great deal of snow that year it was so strange a sight to see dr marjoribanks walking that at the first glance lucilla was startled and thought something was the matter but of course it all arose from a perfectly natural and explainable cause i have been down to see mrs chiley said the doctor she has her rheumatism very bad again and the horse has been so long out that i thought i would walk home i think the old lady is a little upset about cavendish lucilla he was always a pet of hers dear mrs chiley she's not very bad i hope said miss marjoribanks oh no she's not very bad said the doctor in a dreary tone the poor old machine is just about breaking up that is all we can cobble it this once but next time perhaps don't talk in such a disheartening way papa said lucilla i am sure she's not so very old we're all pretty old for that matter said the doctor we can't run on for ever you know if you had been a boy like that stupid fellow tom you might have carried on my practice lucilla and even extended it i shouldn't wonder dr marchbanks added with a little grunt as who should say that is the way of the world but i am not a boy said lucilla mildly and even if i had been you know i might have chosen another profession tom never had any turn for medicine that i ever heard of i hope you know pretty well about all the turns he ever had with that old woman said the doctor pulling himself up sharply always at your ear i suppose she never talks of anything else but i hope you have too much sense for that sort of thing lucilla tom will never be anything but a poor man if he were to live a hundred years perhaps not papa said lucilla with a little sigh the doctor knew nothing about the great social experiment which it had entered into miss marchbanks's mind to make for the regeneration of her contemporaries and the good of society or possibly he might not have distinguished tom by that particular title was it he perhaps who was destined to be the hero of a domestic drama embodying the best principles of that moral philosophy which lucilla had studied with such success at mount pleasant she did not ask herself the question for things had not as yet come to that point but it gleamed upon her mind as by a side-light i don't know how you would get on if you were poor said the doctor i don't think that would suit you you would make somebody a capital wife i can say that for you lucilla that had plenty of money and a liberal disposition like yourself but poverty is another sort of thing i can tell you luckily you're old enough to have got over all the love in a cottage ideas if you ever had them dr marchbanks added he was a worldly man himself and he thought his daughter a worldly woman and yet though he thoroughly approved of it he still despised lucilla a little for her prudence which is a paradoxical state of mind not very unusual in the world i don't think i ever had them said lucilla 
not that kind of poverty i know what a cottage means it means a wretched man always about the house with his feet in slippers you know what poor dear mr cavendish would come to if he was poor the doctor laughed though he had not seemed up to this moment much disposed for laughing so that is all your opinion of cavendish he said and i don't think you are far wrong either and yet that was a young fellow that might have done better dr marchbanks said reflectively perhaps not without a slight prick of conscience that he had forsaken an old friend yes said lucilla with a certain solemnity but you know papa if a man will not when he may and she sighed though the doctor who had not been thinking of mr cavendish's prospects in that light laughed once more but it was a sharp sort of sudden laugh without much heart in it he had most likely other things of more importance in his mind well there have been a great many off and on since that time he said smiling rather grimly it is time you were thinking about it seriously lucilla i am not so sure about some things as i once was and i'd rather like to see you well settled before it's a kind of prejudice a man has the doctor said abruptly which whatever he might mean by it was a dismal sort of speech to make before what papa asked lucilla with a little alarm tut before long to be sure he said impatiently ashburton would not be at all amiss if he liked it and you liked it but it's no use making any suggestions about those things so long as you don't marry a fool dr marchbanks said with energy i know that is of course i've seen what that is you can't expect to get perfection as you might have looked for perhaps at twenty but i advise you to marry lucilla i don't think you are cut out for a single woman for my part i don't see the good of single women said lucilla unless they are awfully rich and i don't suppose i shall ever be awfully rich but papa so long as i can be a comfort to you yes said the doctor with that tone which lucilla could remember fifteen years ago when she made the same magnanimous suggestion but i can't live for ever you know it would be a pity to sacrifice yourself to me and then perhaps next morning find that it was a useless sacrifice it very often happens like that when self-devotion is carried too far you've behaved very well and shown a great deal of good sense lucilla more than i gave you credit for when you commenced i may say that and if there was to be any change for instance what change said lucilla not without some anxiety for it was an odd way of talking to say the least of it but the doctor had come to a pause and did not seem disposed to resume it is not so pleasant as i thought walking over this snow he said i can't give that up that i can see and there's more snow in the air if i'm any judge of the weather there go in go in don't wait for me but mind you make haste and dress for i want my dinner i may have to go down to mrs chiley again to-night it was an odd way of talking and it was odd to break off like this but then to be sure there was no occasion for any more conversation since they had just arrived at their own door it made lucilla uneasy for the moment but while she was dressing she managed to explain it to herself and to think after all it was only natural that her papa should have seen a little into the movement and commotion of her thoughts 
and then poor dear old mrs chiley being so ill who was one of his own set so to speak he was quite cheerful later in the evening and enjoyed his dinner and was even more civil than usual to mrs john and though he did not come up to tea he made his appearance afterwards with a flake of new-fallen snow still upon his rusty grey whiskers he had gone to see his patient again notwithstanding the silent storm outside and his countenance was a little overcast this time no doubt by the late walk and the serious state mrs chiley was in and his encounter with the snow oh yes she is better he said i knew she would do this time people at our time of life don't go off in that accidental kind of way when a woman has been so long used to living it takes her a time to get into the way of dying she might be a long time thinking about it yet if all goes well papa don't speak like that said lucilla dying i can't bear to think of such a thing she's not so very old such things will happen whether you can bear to think of them or not said the doctor i said you would go down and see her to-morrow we've all held out a long time the lot of us i don't like to think of the first gap myself but somebody must make a beginning you know the chileys were always older than you said mrs john i remember in poor mrs marjbanks time they were quite elderly then and you were just beginning when my tom was a baby we were always of the same set said the doctor interrupting her without hesitation lucilla they say cavendish has got hold of the rector he has made believe to be penitent you know that is cleverer than anything you could have done and if he can't be won back again it will be serious the colonel says you are to try if you can suggest anything it seems said the doctor with mingled amusement and satire and a kind of gratification that ashburton has great confidence in you it must have been the agent said lucilla i don't think any of the rest of them are equal to that i don't see if that is the case how we are to win him back if mr ashburton had ever done anything very wicked perhaps you are safe to say he is not penitent anyhow said dr marchbanks and he took his candle and went away with a smile but either mr ashburton's good opinion of lucilla or some other notion had touched the doctor he was not a man who said much at any time but when he bade her good-night his hand dropped upon lucilla's shoulder and he patted it softly as he might have patted the head of a child it was not much but still it was a good deal from him to feel the lingering touch of her father's hand caressing her even in so mild a way was something quite surprising and strange to miss marjbanks she looked up at him almost with alarm but he was just then turning away with his candle in his hand and he seemed to have laid aside his gloom and even smiled to himself as he went upstairs if she had been the boy instead of that young ass he said to himself he could not have explained why he was more than ordinarily hard just then upon the innocent far distant tom who was unlucky it's true but not exactly an ass after all but somehow it struck the doctor more than ever how great a loss it was to society and to herself that lucilla was not the boy she could have continued and perhaps extended the practice whereas just now it was quite possible that she might drop down into worsted work and tea-parties like any other single woman while tom who had carried off the family honours and was the boy in this limited and unfruitful generation was never likely to do anything to speak of 
and would be a poor man if he were to live for a hundred years perhaps there was something else behind that made the doctor's brow contract a little as he crossed the threshold of his chamber into which no more than into the recesses of his heart no one ever penetrated but it was the lighter idea of that comparison which had no actual pain in it but only a kind of humorous discontent which was the last articulate thought in his mind as he went to his room and closed his door with a little sharpness as he always did upon the outside world aunt jemima for her part lingered a little with lucilla downstairs my dear i don't think my brother-in-law looks well to-night i don't think harlingford is so healthy as it is said to be if i were you lucilla i would try and get your papa to take something said mrs john with anxiety before he goes to bed dear aunt jemima he never takes anything you forget he's a doctor said miss marchbanks it always puts him out when he has to go out in the evening and he is sad about mrs chiley though he would not say so but nevertheless lucilla knocked at his door when she went upstairs and the doctor though he did not open growled within with a voice which reassured his dutiful daughter what should i want do you think but to be left quiet the doctor said and even mrs john who had waited at his door with her candle in her hand to hear the result shrank within at the sound and was seen no more and miss marjoribanks too went to her rest with more than one subject of thought which kept her awake in the first place the rector was popular in his way and if he chose to call all his forces to rally round the penitent there was no saying what might come of it and then lucilla could not help going back in the most illogical manner to her father's caress and wondering what was the meaning of it meantime the snow fell heavily outside and wrapped everything in a soft and secret whiteness and amid the whiteness and darkness the lamp burned steadily outside at the garden gate which pointed out the doctor's door amid all the closed houses and dark garden walls in grange lane a kind of visible succour and help always at hand for those who were suffering and though dr marchbanks was not like a young man making a practice but had perfect command of carlingford and was one of the richest men in it it was well known in the town that the very poorest if in extremity in the depths of the wildest night that ever blew would not seek help there in vain the bell that had roused him when he was young still hung near him in the silence of his closed-up house when he was old and still could make him spring up all self-possessed and ready when the enemy death had to be fought with but that night the snow cushioned the wire outside and even made white cornices and columns about the steady lamp and the doctor slept within and no one disturbed him for except mrs chiley and a few chronic patients there was nothing particularly amiss in carlingford and then it was dr ryder whom all the new people went to the people who lived in the innumerable new houses at the other end of carlingford and had no hallowing tradition of the superior authority of grange lane End of chapter 43 Recording by Maricel Quee